Hi, you're about to get smarter in just a few minutes with Curiosity Daily from Curiosity.com. I'm Cody Goff. And I'm Ashley Hamer. Today, you learn about what research says is the best way to teach kids to read with best-selling author Emily Oster and why trusting science may make you more likely to share false science. Then play along at home as we test your podcast knowledge with this month's edition of the Curiosity Challenge Trivia Game. Let's satisfy and challenge some curiosity. Yesterday, Emily Oster told us how parents can make the best decisions for their kids. Today, we're going to zoom in on the best way kids can learn to read. Emily Oster is an economics professor at Brown University and the author of several books on parenting, including her latest, The Family Firm, a data-driven guide to better decision-making in the early years. Emily told us that her biggest surprise when writing this book came down to the data on reading. The sort of traditional, like old school way to teach kids to read is with phonics. You know, teach them to read a language like English is kind of with basically sounding out, right? You learn the letter sounds and you learn how they put together and then you learn to read from there. There was a movement at some point which still has its sort of tendrils in some of how we teach reading these days, which is to move to like a whole language approach to sort of deprioritize phonics in favor of something like, let's just read things to kids and they will get excited about it. And then they'll kind of like osmos the words. And, and I think part of the idea there is that as an adult, you sort of perceive yourself to be reading by recognizing words. And so you have some sense if you just like have a lot of exposure, you will learn to recognize those words. And this whole language idea really took off actually influenced a lot of how California taught reading for a long time. It turns out to be a terrible idea. Actually, phonics is great. And phonics is really the main way that we should teach kids to read. And I talk a lot about this in the book and sort of different pieces of evidence for that. But the one I like the best, this sort of connection I like the best is this idea you have that like you're reading by recognizing words. That's true for short words. So it's true that that's how you read. But for longer words, that's not how you're reading. We put people in fMRI machines. You are reading longer words by sounding them out. You're doing it so fast that you don't perceive it, but you are. And the way you can sort of know that that must be true is I, and I have this sort of word in the book that I've made up. The word is delumpification. And if you saw that written out, you would be able to read it. But that's not because you've seen it before, because I made it up. The way you're reading that is you're sounding it out because you've seen those pieces and you're putting it together. And once you recognize that, you realize, well, of course, kids have to learn to read through phonics because I'm reading through phonics. And then there's sort of like a bunch of evidence that comes out around that that sort of tells us what we should be doing, which isn't always what we're doing. Yeah. And I guess osmosis isn't going to expose you to every word that exists no. ever anyway. So, yeah. Wow. Yeah. And exactly. When you think about it, it's like, of course, that's like that's sort of obvious. But I think it was sort of hard to see. It's a place where data is good. Sounds like hooked on phonics worked for everyone. Again, that was Emily Oster, an economics professor at Brown University and the author of several books on parenting, including her latest, The Family Firm, a data-driven guide to better decision-making in the early years. You can find a link to pick it up in the show notes. There are many good reasons to trust science, but trust is a double-edged sword. And a surprising new study finds that putting a lot of trust in science makes someone more vulnerable to pseudoscience. Fortunately, there's a fix. Now, blind trust in science is damaging because it causes people to let their guard down and stop asking questions. And that's important for a couple reasons. First, 
scientists haven't always acted in everyone's best interest. And second, trusting in science makes it easier to believe misinformation when it's presented as scientific fact, as something better known as pseudoscience. The researchers behind this set of experiments started by writing four news articles and packing them full of lies. There were two different stories. The first fictional story was about a bioweapon created in a government lab and the cover-up. The second fictional story was about Monsanto selling GMOs while knowing all along they caused tumors. Remember, neither of these stories is true. They wrote two versions of each fictional story. Yes, I'm just going to keep saying fictional to drive that point home. And one version discussed scientific concepts and included interviews with researchers, while the other version quoted activists and did not use scientific language. When they had people read the fictional stories and answer questions about them, the researchers found that people with more trust in science were frequently tricked by the articles that used scientific language. They were also more likely to share the articles with other people. The people with less trust in science were just as likely to believe both versions of the story, whether it was the scientific or the non-scientific one. But importantly, scientific literacy did make a difference. People with a deeper understanding of science were a lot less likely to believe in pseudoscience, even if they trusted science a lot. They were also less likely to share false information. In one last experiment, the researchers tried to see if they could help people get better at spotting pseudoscience. And all they did was ask a question. Before reading the article, some people were asked to think of examples of science helping the world, and others were asked for examples of times when people needed to think for themselves. And a third group was asked about an unrelated topic. As it turned out, the people who were primed to think about thinking for themselves were a lot less likely to believe any of the false stories. So what does this all mean? Well, it means that you should always think critically, regardless of how quote-unquote scientific your information is. Just because something sounds like science doesn't mean it's true. So keep asking questions, especially if you catch your finger hovering over the share button. It's time for the Curiosity Challenge. Every month, I call up a listener and I put them to the test by asking them three questions about stories we ran on Curiosity Daily in the previous month. For this Curiosity Challenge, I talked to Nick in Lexington, Kentucky. Have a listen. Let's talk about you. How long have you been listening to Curiosity Daily? Probably about six months now. Cool. I have way too many podcasts. And uh, during the football season, it's mostly fantasy football podcasts. And then over the summer, I was trying to find more things to fill my time. And I love like, you know, I'll be like today I learned and on this day and uh, reply all and things like that. So I was trying to find more trivia type ones. And I came across URLs and those never since. Nice. So you, you were like set out to find a show like ours and you found it. Exactly. Yeah. I just, I just wanted to learn. I probably listen to about 10 podcasts every morning, like as I'm getting started with work, just, you know, daily news and fun facts. I just feel like I should be learning something as opposed to just listening to music, you know? It's actually kind of funny because I listen to all my podcasts on one and a half speed. And so listening to you right now is a little fun because it seems like you're like talking a little slower than I'm used to. <laughs> yeah, I can't I cannot listen to myself on rapid speed because I feel like I'm just talking like a chipmunk. But I understand that many people do that. Well, 
Do you want to do some trivia? You ready? Yeah, let's give it a try. See how I do. All right, cool. There are no, you know, no winners, no losers. You just get bragging rights. Get to feel good about yourself. Sounds good. Give me some softball. (laughs) All right. Number one. Kids don't get this kind of humor until around age seven because of the advanced thinking it requires. So is that humor A, puns, B, sarcasm, or C, satire? Sarcasm. That's right. Yes, because sarcasm involves kind of two opposite meanings at the same time, and kids can't get that. They just think that the literal meaning is the literal meaning until around age 7 to 10. Awesome. Good job. Number two. What's the name for the wispy clouds that glow bright blue at sunset or sunrise? Is it A, ultramarine clouds, B, translucent clouds, or C, noctilucent clouds? Noctilucent clouds. That's right. Have you ever seen a noctilucent cloud? I haven't, but I wanted to research it after I listened to that episode, so I need to now. Yeah, I need to, too. All right, you got two for two. Got number three. This emotion makes you look guilty, even though people who are falsely accused are more likely to experience this emotion. Is that emotion A, anger, B, anxiety, or C, fear? Anger. That's right, yes. Anger makes you look guilty, but falsely accused people are more likely to be angry, which makes a lot of sense. Yeah, what are you supposed to do whenever whenever you're falsely accused? It's not eat the lose lose there. Yeah, it is. It's you're you're stuck between a rock and a hard place. You just gotta stay calm and try to be happy about it. I don't know. That's weird. Yeah, that's something to try. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right. Well, great, Nick. You got all three correct. Congratulations. Thank you. I am so proud of myself, and I'm sure my girlfriend will be too. (laughs) Good. All that listening was for a good cause. Three out of three, and the crowd goes wild. How did you do? If you'd like to play next month, or if you have a question you'd like us to answer on the show, shoot us an email at curiosity at discovery.com, or leave us a voicemail at 312-596-5208. We're going to recap everything we learned today. But first, here's a sneak peek at what you'll hear next week on Curiosity Daily. Next week, you'll learn about why you really do literally have a gut feeling, how scientists are building better robots by studying squirrels that do parkour, why children write letters backwards, how Earth's core is growing lopsided, and more. Okay, so now let's recap what we learned today. Well, we learned that according to Emily Oster, phonics is the main way we should teach kids how to read. Basically, having kids sound it out. The idea of whole word reading is popular. That idea that we just recognize words after seeing them enough times. But according to research, even adults still read words by sounding them out. It just happens really fast, so we don't notice it. I had a family member that had to do the Hooked on Phonics program because they just were behind on their reading abilities. And that family member is younger than me. And an executive at a company, probably making a lot more money than me. Not that that is the only metric of success or happiness, but a very, very successful person. It's a nice reminder that, you know, you can always catch up later. Yeah. And we learned that people with a lot of trust in science are actually more likely to believe in pseudoscience and to share it with other people. 
But when scientists primed people to think about thinking for themselves, they were less likely to believe falsehoods like that. So the takeaway? Keep asking questions and thinking critically about the information that you consume. It's a good lesson for all of us. Yes, and increasing your scientific literacy will also help. Although it will make certain science fiction much less enjoyable. And some of it much more enjoyable. Yes, I've talked a lot about how much more I enjoy Star Trek The Next Generation as a result of my increasing scientific literacy. There's a lovely little show that I watched recently called Sweet Tooth. It's a good show. I enjoyed it. But boy, boy, the the science in that show is just hilarious. It's just so bad. It's a lot of stuff about like evolution and chemistry and things like that, that they just say completely nonsensical things. And I'm like, what? What did, what did you just say? But honestly, that makes it kind of more fun for me. So it's fine. <laughs> awesome. The writer for the Trust in Science story was Grant Curran. Our managing editor is Ashley Hamer, who is also a writer and audio editor on today's episode. Our producer and lead audio editor is Cody Goff. Have a great weekend. And hey, feel free to share this podcast, Curiosity Daily, with one of your friends. You know that we are not pseudoscience. Believe me, Ashley would never let that fly. And then join us again Monday to learn something new in just a few minutes. And until then, stay curious. Thank you.